Thanksgiving. It's our favorite topic when we go to church, isn't it? I love to hear the preacher preach on giving. It just works so well. All right. It's, I mean, do you know people stand in line to hear preachers preach on giving? And we've looked at the purposes of giving. We've looked at the principles of giving. But in the principles of giving, there's a bridge that moves over to the protection of giving. Okay. And when are we to give? When you come together to worship. I know a lot, number of churches right now, <coughs> and I have no problem with it. When they come together to worship, they take up an offering. Why? They're coming together to worship. They're gathering together to worship. Where are you to give? At the treasury. Where's that? The church. You give to the church. All right. Who is to give? Everybody. You know, and you know what? If you don't have nothing, then don't give it. And I have never met a human being who doesn't have something. Okay. Now then, our favorite topic. All right. Now, listen, there is a lot of information here. I have to go all the way from Genesis to Revelations. All right. So hang on tight. Um, I'm not going some you're going to want more detail. You'll have to do your own Bible study. I will give you this and show you how this works. How much am I to give? He says here, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have directed the churches in Galatia, so do you also. Well, how much? What am I to give? How much am I to give? What is the common answer? Okay, the question is, if it's 10%, if it's a tithe, is it of the gross or the net? How do you know that? Does it say that? Hang on to your britches, and if you're smart, you'll take a pen, and you'll write down all of these chapters that I'm about to throw at you. Because I want to show you how... This, this may get me into more trouble than teaching on giving. Is How does your pastor... Study, <laughs> and you're going to sit there. Oh my gosh, we've got a Looney Tune. Okay, when I look at Scripture, I look Adam to Moses. So I look at everything pre Moses. Okay, then I look Moses to Christ. All right, and then I look Christ to now. All right. Um, that is how the, 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 the period of my thinking works, right? And, and there's a reason. Uh, I have no law up to Moses. No written documentation from God. Then I have the law and the covenant with Israel, with Moses to Christ. Then I have Christ, the birth of the church, to the conclusion of the age. So, so you see how I, I, I'm kind of doing that, all right? Um, so let's start it off with prior to Moses. Before Moses, what was the giving pattern? Okay. Well, it was a tenth. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek. And everybody knows that Jacob gave a tenth to the Lord. And we all know that that supersedes the law because the law was a non-existent entity. Right? Well, here's the way my warped head works. All right? 
I look at it, I see Abraham gave a tenth, and I look at it, and I see Jacob gave a tenth. But I find something very, very interesting in both. Okay? I see Abraham giving a tenth how many times? One time. Hmm. Are you telling me that in Abraham's entire life, he gave a tenth one time? He lived to be over 160 years of age, and he, we never do have a record that he ever gave that amount again. Jacob did it once. And beyond that, those are the only two between Adam and Moses who gave a tenth. And the only record of it is once each. Huh. Just I just want you to think about it. I just want you to think about this, okay? Because you guys are you be real careful that you see one time, one thing, and now I have a theology. Okay? That would mean I need to name all of my children Lazarus. That way they'll never die. Because we can call them out of the grave. One time. <laughs> You be real careful with that, okay? Yet, I think that there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of offerings given in that time frame. Listen, Abel gave. It was an offering. Hey, guess what? Noah gave. It was an offering. So I'm thinking that there was giving going on, but I don't know how much. From Cain and Abel, they gave their first fruits offering all the way through all the offerings that were ever given. Only two times I see the tithe, the tenth. And you know what is amazing about both of those? This is just food for your thought. Okay. Neither time Jacob or Abram, was it commanded? Neither case was the tenth binding, and neither time was it maintaining itself as a standard of given beyond the point that it was given. Listen, God was talking directly to Abraham, and he never said, now then, from now on, a tenth. If I look at history, okay, the giving of a tenth was a very common in the standard practice among the pagans. Okay, um, the reason was it was basic counting. You have how many fingers and how many toes? I'm feeling like twenty percent today. <laughs> And they would take the fingers and the toes, and it was always the symbol of fullness, of completeness. So when a pagan would want to offer something to, to their god, he would give a tenth because it symbolized the total. 
Why? I have ten toes. I have ten fingers. Therefore, it's the fullness. of, And that was its basis of, of the pagan offering. Okay? So when you see in pagan religion, ten was a symbol of completeness, completeness of totalness. Okay? Now... The writer of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews in the New Testament said Abrams chose to do that and he gave a tenth off the top of the heap. Okay, you know what that is, right? The best. He got a pile of stuff. Do you know why he did this? He had just fought five kings by himself. And he understood that he had all the spoils from these five kings. And after the battle over five kings, he wanted to thank God that somehow, God, you give me this victory. And that's when he met Melchizedek. And, you know, I, man, you, you wouldn't believe all that's written on Melchizedek. And there's just not that much in the Bible about Melchizedek other than this simple statement. He was a priest of the Most High God. Okay, and he knew that Melchizedek was what? The priest of the Most High God. A priest's responsibility is to take man to God. And he says, I want to thank God for this glorious victory over five kings. I did it all just with my little group of nomads. And we had this victory, and I want to give you... And he gave a tenth right off the top. He wanted to show his love to God. And he made an offering to this priest of the Most High God. Okay? Later, you see Jacob give a tenth. Do you know why Jacob gave a tenth? He was trying to bribe God to clear his conscience over sin. Do you understand it was not commanded? Do you understand that it was not binding? Apart from though, from that, there is no indication that it was ever commanded. I don't have it. Okay, now listen, I'm Adam to Moses. Okay. If you want to do your homework on this, you want Genesis chapter 41 and Genesis chapter 47. All right. You go do your homework on it and you tell me if you come up with another conclusion. All right. Is there any required giving in that period of time? See, God requires giving at times. I've seen it. Exodus. Remember, he had a dream. Pharaoh did. Remember it? And he got Joseph to interpret it. And what was the dream? Seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine. In order to provide for the people, to care for the people's needs, a command came forth from God that every person is to give one-fifth of all that they have, and that percentage comes out at 20%. Did you get that? That would be a double tithe. 
right? 20%. And it was for a time frame, wasn't it? It was so the government for seven years would be able to sustain the people during seven years of famine. Seven years of plenty. You give 20. Here we go. All right. So that was God's standard for giving that you see. All right. At the time of Moses. All right. You know what you would call that today? You giving 20% to the government entity to take care of the needs of the people in the time of crisis. What do you call that? Taxes. A welfare state. (laughs) We're here about the word. We're not here about politics. God said he was funding the government of Egypt to meet the needs of its people. Right? And I mean, that was basically the only standard that I have pre-Mosaic law. Right? I mean, a law hasn't been given. The only time an amount is prescribed. And you know what is amazing? The rest of it is completely free will offerings. Well, no, you're, you're pushing the envelope there. You have a free choice to give what you please. Yeah, except for that time of taxation. When the government for the people to provide for the people's needs. Wow, that, 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 don't, sound, that don't sound right. Okay, Leviticus 27. Now we have the, the law. Okay. And it says there in 27, God says, here's my law. I want you to give a tenth of everything, a.k.a. the gross, that you have. And guess where it goes? To the Levites. To the Levites. It goes to the priests. You know who the priests are, right? They are the ones who take the people to God, like Melchizedek. It, now, understand something. Israel is a theocracy, right? They are ruled by who? God. And God rules through the leaders. And the leaders were who? The priest. The priest would be analogous to our congressmen, our mayors, our judges, because they were the public servants. All right? And everybody says, that's not right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Go check out Eli. <laughs> You'll see it. All right? Um, basically, he says, I want the public service. I want the leadership that I have put in place to human people that will take up these. <coughs> I want you to pay money so that their salaries are paid. How much do you pay them? A tenth. Right off the top. Fund the government again. You know what we call that? A tax. Okay, Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy 12. The word Deuteronomy means second law. This was the law that Moses received from God. Upon your entering into the promised land, this is what you shall do and how you will conduct yourself. Okay, it says that the nation of Israel at that point in time has to give 10% every year. Okay, you give 10%, 
right? For the priest. Now you have to give 10% every year. Why? This was to fund the national holidays. Deuteronomy 12. Um, it takes care of the national unity, takes care of the national religion. It funds the quote unquote church of the Jews at that time. All right. But he also explains in Deuteronomy 12 that a third is to go to the poor. What? Yeah, you give a tenth for the nation and you give another third for the poor. Okay, it's a welfare and it's required every three years. So basically you have, and it's actually, if you take it and work it out, it's a three and a third. All right, so you're, you've got 10% for the priest, 10% for the quote unquote temple, and you got 3% for the poor and a third. All right, what is that? 23 and a third. Okay. And it's commanded to go to the treasury. Do you remember where the treasury was? At the time of this writing, it's the temple or the tabernacle. Okay. But understand this. This 23 and a third is never related to free will giving. The 20% under the Egyptians was never based on free will giving. It's never related to spontaneous giving. It's never related to that which comes out of the heart. It's never related that, oh, my sin, all has been forgiven and nailed to the cross. What would I give to he who would do such a thing? Okay. Malachi 3 says, Your tithe and offerings go into the storehouse, and the tithe and the offering of the Old Testament was not a free will. It was not giving to God out of love. It was paying your taxes. Where was the giving? Where was the free will giving? You know, I find it fascinating. Our tax rate usually hangs around 20 to 23%. Sometimes it moves up to 30% and all the rest of it. I wonder where they got that number. That's the standard that God set. But if you look at the standard, what is he setting it for? God ordained governments. If giving to the government... Paying my quote unquote taxes, then I have liberty to do what? To give. And everybody say, Yeah, I knew that was coming. Over and above, right? What are you? Ah, never mind, I almost said it. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a verse. You knew I'd do that though, didn't you? Chapter 3 of the book of Proverbs, verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and uh -oh, from your first of all of your produce. Do you understand that? From your wealth and 
your produce. Do you understand what that means? Some of you do, some of you don't. The pattern of giving pre-Moses time was what? Yeah, out of your wealth and your first of your produce. What did Abel give? First produce. I mean, how much money did he have coming out of the Garden of Eden? None. He didn't have no cash. He didn't need no cash. He was getting ready to get into the weed business. <laughs> well, he was. Sweat of his brow and he can get after it. How much is it to give? Well, here it says, honor the Lord from your wealth. But we're like pragmatic, ain't we? Well, does he mean a tenth? No. He says, honor the Lord from your wealth. That's what he's saying. Just honor the Lord. You know what it says here? This is why I didn't really want to tape this. Give what you want. Give what you want. But, you knew I was going to say that though, didn't you? Give what you want, but I want you to remember Proverbs 11, verse 24. You really should remember Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is one who scatters... And yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. And yet in results only in want. Okay. I have the vernacular this way. God can shrink a dollar or stretch a dollar. Okay. Basically this verse here. 24 of 11 of Proverbs. uh, If you want to lose your money. Try to save it. If you try to hang on to it, you'll lose it. You don't believe me? Anybody in the stock market? (laughs) (laughs) You want to gain money? Now think about this for a second. I want you to ponder this. You want to gain wealth? How are you to do it? According to this text. Spend it. Well, that sounds stupid. Ain't that what got our country in the problem? He said, spend the wealth, not the credit. Listen, you want gain, scatter, liberal soul will be fat. I thought that's fascinating terminology. (laughs) Give as you want. Give of the first fruits. Give the best you've got. And out of your substance, if you hold it back, you'll go to poverty. Honor the Lord and give from your wealth. Well, I'm just not convinced. All right, let me give you an illustration. I thought you'd never ask. Go to the book of Exodus. Okay. In the book of Exodus, you need to understand something at this point. You have Moses leading the Jews out of Egypt, but he doesn't have a law yet. Okay, the Decalogue has not been given. Um, you know, he's got he's got some foundational stuff going on. But here's what he says here. And the Lord says to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man 
whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution. Okay, now, see, here's what he says. As the heart moves, this is what I am asking. All right, look what he says. Raise them, raise from them gold, silver, bronze, purple, blue, scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair. Boy, sign me up for that. Rams skins, dyed red, porpoise skins. That'd be tough to find out in the wilderness. Uh, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for anointing oil, and all the fragrant scents, incense. Onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for my breastplate and let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell with them according to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furniture just so you shall construct it. God says, you know what? I want you to show me your thankfulness and we'll build a tabernacle i'll commune with you in the tabernacle but i need you to show your thankfulness from your heart as you feel led to give you know what this isn't a tithe this isn't a tax. This isn't 23%. It's not part of the 3%. It's not part of a third percent. He says, "You know what?" What is in your heart? Give. And you know what's really cool about this text? This text shows you that that's the way God has always wanted it to be. God didn't tell Abraham how much to give to Melchizedek, did he? But Melchizedek was smart enough to say, you know what? I got into a fight with five kings and I came out victorious and I got a wheelbarrow full of junk. And I know God did that. Let me ask you a question. I, I just it's, it's, it's just something that I think about. You know why Abraham did that, right? Abraham did that because he was jumping for joy. You go fight five kings by yourself with a bunch of nomad sheep herders and you come out on top. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in. Right. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you ever been in a joyous state and you said, you know what? I ought to give something to God for giving me this joy. No, because most of us, if we're truly honest with ourselves, feel like we go and manufacture our own joy. And you know what? When you do, how long does it last? And when God gives you the joy, you will be overwhelmed with, look at what he has done. God didn't tell Abel what to give. Abel gave it from his heart. God didn't tell Noah, make an offering after the flood. He was just thrilled to get out of the boat. I'm out. He has saved us. 
I will give an offering to he who saved us. It's the same thing you see here in Exodus 25. 400 years of slavery. And had absolutely no ability whatsoever to get themselves free from their slavery. None. They can't get out. We will be generation after generation after generation of God's coveted slaves. God said, no, I'll bring you out. Chapter 35. Of Exodus. Verse 5. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Who is of a willing heart. Time to collect an offering. But I only want it from. From a willing heart. See, God tells us, I don't want you to give grudgingly. I don't want you to even give like Jacob. Here's a tenth because I'm in trouble. I just want you to give whatever you give. And then God says, watch me multiply it. Remember I shared you with the text, the widow. Remember the widow who gave all that she had. Every penny. Just give it. Why? It was her heart. Why? I trust you so much. You have blessed me so long. You have cared for me so much. Here. That's why she gave. Why did she give? All of it. He wants you to give because when you give, he shows you how he multiplies. I have literally had people tell me, here, I'll help you. And then they get mad at me somewhere down the line. And they say, I just don't understand how the churches stay open because we're not giving anymore. Well, you missed that one. But when I hear people tell me that, I understand why they're not in this church anymore. In Exodus 35, verse 21... Everyone whose heart was stirred in him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of the meeting and for all of its services and its holy garments. And then all whose hearts were moved, both men and women, came and they brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets and all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. Every man who had his possessions, blue or purple or scarlet, they just started lining up. They started lining up as the Spirit moved across them and as their hearts were overwhelmed by the freedom that God had instilled upon them that in chapter 36 it says this. Moses, verse 6, Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform the work of the contribution of the sanctuary. We've got too much. We've got too much. We don't, we, we don't need that much. See, all he needed 
was the hearts willing, moved by the spirit of God. They gave because they knew that they were investing with God who can't be outgiven. That's always been God's pattern for giving. Please understand that. It isn't. When you ask a Christian today, what is God asked for the giving? What will they say? A tenth. In the Old Testament, it says, no, I want you to give out of the heart. But I want you to pay your taxes. The only time it can't tempt you see it, it was a taxation. It was for the government. It was for the civil servants. I mean, if you look at the theocracy of Israel, who were the judges? The Levites. Who were the governors? The Levites. Who took care of the workings of the community? The Levites. Okay, what about now? I look around and I'm thinking this is not a theocracy. All right. You know what? I, I hate to break the news to you. It's not a theocracy. I'm not even sure it's a democracy. I'm not even sure it's a re- representative republic. But I do know this. In the New Testament, the age in which you and I live in right now, there are, we still have the same two kinds of giving. Two things that we are to do, two obligations that we have to our money, with our money. Did you know that? First one shows up in Romans chapter 13, verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. <laughs> Golly, why did you have to read that? You pay your taxes. Have you ever thought about the IRS being God's ministers? That's what it says here. Devoting themselves to everything. Pay taxes for the rulers are servants of God. It just don't seem to fit, does it? (laughs) Still don't make it not true. In Egypt, it was 20%. Moses is 23 and a third to Israel for the theocracy of Israel. Today, you pay your taxes. You give it to God. Why? Because who ordains the governments? God does. God does. Pay your taxes and then give to God from your, your heart. It's up to you. The thing that you do need to do is you need to do it every week. We've already looked at that. Why? I have to show God that I'm a steward of the, the mammon, the earthly wealth. I'm a good steward of this. And I give as God leads on my heart. It's up to you. I will tell you what King David said. King David says, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I give out of my wealth. David even understood it had to be sacrificial. When you start to give to God, he will always return it to you. When you start to give it to God, God returns it. Let me And, and people struggle with this, and, and I, I want to try to make this as clear as I, I can, because I've, I, this has been really corrupted. 
Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Okay? They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Okay, now for those of you who are really students of the word, that's red letter. (laughs) That's what Jesus is saying. All right, to what you give, that measure will be given to you. I think a lot of the Christians today who are struggling financially is because of their measure of giving. They struggle financially because they didn't want to give because they weren't sure that God could be trusted. Okay? And I got to ask one simple question. Can you outgive him? We can say that, but do we live like it? That's the key. Oh, I can't outgive God. He got them thousand hill cattles or whatever they are. No, man. Let me tell you something. You give first. The walk of faith is just that. You have to take the step. Is it true? That's what it says here. I like it. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. He says you'll get it back. But if you give with a clenched hand, that's what Jesus says is the pattern to give here. I know. Some of you are still going to be saying, can you just give me a number? Give me a number. Why? And I need a number that makes me spiritual. I, I see people like, if you give me a number, how spiritual can I be like on a $50 bill? Okay? Listen, Jesus says, just give and it will be given unto you. It's that simple. Oh, by the way, did you get the part where it says it's pressed down and running over? You'll get more than you gave. But you'll be given on the same measure if you don't give freely and from the heart. How much do I give? Let me ask you a question. And I want you to be real honest today. Okay? With yourself. I mean, you don't have to shout it out or anything. How much do you want to give? And then you know how I always have that second question. How much do you want an eternal dividend on? Oh, yeah, see, that's it. I give him $100 and then I'm going to get some kind of spiritual blessing. Really? Well... For those who would think that way, I still have 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each, now, well, that's spiritual harvest, really. 
Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Got it? See, all the sufficiency in all things are will be all multiplied. <laughs> and you know what? How many believe that? That's funny. Nobody even raised their hands or amen or nothing. <laughs> that's, that's some crazy stuff going on here. Turn the mic up. <laughs> Listen, you'll receive the spiritual and you will receive the physical. You will receive the fruits of righteousness because who are you investing in? You think about it, brothers and sisters, as you gather this day, how much time you've invested in the temporal things and how much time you've invested in the eternal things. How much have you given to the temporal? How much have you given to the eternal? And you know what? If you're in turmoil this day about the stock market, if you're in turmoil today about the economy and recession and yada, 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 all the stuff that you are getting hammered with, you know what you're telling me? God's shrinking your dollar. You know why? Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do now. <laughs> you may not have this morning, but you knew now. You withhold from him, no problem. To what measure you give, I'll return it. You give freely from a heart overwhelmed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Guess what? I'll give it back, pressed down and spilling over. See, I hate to break the news to you, but your walk with Christ right now is the best deal that is out there. And it's better than any home savings or whatever you want to do. I can go on and on with this thing. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, I want to give you this illustration because I don't want you to think that this little thing with the Exodus was a, a, a fluke. That's them Jews. Okay? Because there's a little story in here that I've heard sung in a lot of little Sunday school classes and all the rest of it. But beginning in chapter 19, Jesus entered into Jericho and he was passing through and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus, see who Jesus was, and was unable because of the crowd, and he was kind of small in statue. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him. And he was about to pass through the way when Jesus came to the place and he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. I like that. Jesus invited himself over. <laughs> And he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. And when he saw it, and then he began to grumble. And when they saw it, he, they began to all grumble saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus, that would be like Jesus is going over to the IRS agent's house. <laughs> Zacchaeus stopped and said, Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions... I will give to the poor. 
if I have defrauded anybody, I will give back four times. And Jesus looked at him and says, no, Zacchaeus, you only need to give a tithe. Anyway, it says. Anyway, it says. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. He too is a son of Abraham. Listen. He did not buy his salvation. He bore fruit of his salvation. How much did he give? He gave out of his heart. He only gave 50%. See, we miss that about Zacchaeus. We like to sing about all short people in trees. But he fell so in love with his Redeemer that he says, this stuff really doesn't mean anything. We are in a text that comes out of the resurrection and we should be giving, pressed down and overrunning just to see if we can outgive him. And the race is on. Why? It should be out of your heart. It should be out of your heart. John says, if you see a brother in need and you don't meet that need, the love of God can't be in you. James says, your faith minus works is dead. It's got to be seen. There was a great desire from this rich man to give. Jesus or Zacchaeus was saved and Jesus said, it's obvious. I mean, what did he heard? Just the rumblings. Just the rumblings. That's all. That's all he's heard. He's heard the stories. He was inquisitive. He had heard this information. How the lame was going to get up and walk. The dead was raised. The blind could see. He was forgiving sin. This truly must be Messiah. I must see him. And he didn't hear a message. He didn't hear a gospel. Hey, come down and walk an aisle. Say a prayer. He didn't say that. He says... I will give half of everything I own to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, I'll give them back four times. And Jesus looked at him and says, Boy, they're saved. He just moved from the temporal to the eternals. This is amazing. Zacchaeus stopped and says, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And I have defrauded anyone. I will give it back four times. Jesus said today salvation has come. Salvation was seen. You'll know them by their fruit. Won't you? I already told you what fellowship was, didn't I? In the New Testament, you see fellowship is giving. See, Zacchaeus understood salvation, and salvation was such a thing that he just wanted to give it all away. I don't need this. Why? I have my eternal soul now. He had a giving heart. And you know what? That's one thing every Christian should have, is a giving heart. And it should be giving liberally. Uh, how much? You still haven't told me how much. You know what? 16.2, exactly what your heart determines. Let each one purpose in his heart what he will give. Be sure that it's not grudgingly. Lord loves a cheerful giver. You know what? I get people 
when people ask me, well, how much do you think I should give? And I have a common phrase that I always give. What you want. How often do you give? Constantly, week by week. Where do you give? The church. So it can be distributed by those who have spiritual oversight over the body of people that we have been entrusted with. Why do I give that the church might support its own? Spiritually and physically. Real practical, isn't it? Let me read you a verse. Let me ask you about. Give what you want. Absolutely. Give what you want. I showed you Israel coming out of Egypt. I showed you Zacchaeus. Give what you want. But remember what you just sang. My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin. Not in part. But the whole. Is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Give what you want. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that the way I feel so confused and feeble about this message that you spoke. Father, help us to hear that, Father, you want us only to give out of love. Father, we love you. I know everyone in this room loves you. But, Father, I pray that we be overwhelmed that our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. Father, Hold that truth to our souls, to our thinking. And yes, Father, to our giving. Father, I thank you for my brother Paul. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what Paul has instructed, even to the churches in Galatia, even to the church in Kassarok. Father, we be overwhelmed. We give you the praise, the glory. 